For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is New Bedford's news talk station. The place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500. Or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us. Or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. And welcome back in third and final hour here on Friday morning. And that means it is time for our weekly chat with the councilors. New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 6 Councilor Ryan Pereira join us on the line. Good morning, councilors. How are you? Oh, let me hit that button there. There we go. That should work. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yes, good morning. It's uh, still... Still, still dealing with this funky phone system, but we'll we'll get it right eventually. Uh, did it's you miss a, those last week? I did. Yeah, we. Yeah. I, it was um, it was a, a, a nice, it was a, a nice time to have talked about a lot of different things that were going on, and I thought of all the weeks not to have the council president here, but you you had a great time with what you were doing, so I'm glad you were able to enjoy that. Absolutely, thank you. Before you start, I just want to follow up on one thing. Um, when we were on two weeks ago, we told you that Ryan, uh, Council Pereira, myself, and several other people were going to Flag Pine Grove Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And when I hung up with you on the call, my council phone was ringing. There was a woman on the council phone who said that she had been trying to find her grandfather's grave in the veterans plot at Pine Grove, uh, but she couldn't. She'd been out of the area for a while and she wanted to plant. So all of us, when we were flagging, looked for it. And I think it was either Councilor Jester or Councilor Pereira who found it. We called her and she came. So see, you have a you have a purpose in the community. Yeah, oh, and she, she sent me a, um, an email wanting me to make sure that I thanked you during the segment for helping her out with that. So thank yeah. you for doing that. I felt rewarded. I don't know about you, Councilor Pereira. Yeah, it was definitely uh, cemeteries is, is an honor in it. Able to be there. Oh, we're losing. Yeah, we're losing a little bit, Counselor. Good as well. Just a, a heads up. You're cutting out a little bit on us there. Okay. Uh, and one second. It, well, so last night, Council President Morad, uh, the the council had a lot of business on the table, including the mayor had brought back up the uh, seeking to have the the city adopt the 32B to help with the. Uh, what he says are the rising health co- rising healthcare costs and the fact that they could bring in a third-party arbiter to be able to help negotiate what the city employees would have to pay toward their end of the insurance. And it went down 9-2 to two as it has uh, in the past when, when Mayor Mitchell has brought it up. Yep, that's true. This is the third time it's been in front of them. Um, you know, some of my colleagues were feeling that there was nothing new to hear. And, you know, they, like myself, not willing to take money out of the pocket of the people who work for us in order to balance the budget. Um, you know, I was willing to give him and his team the possibility of coming in and, you know, presenting their case. It'd have to be a real good presentation for me to 
you know, make a change in the way I voted the last two times, but I was willing to give him an opportunity to present the case. Uh, you know, that combined with the fact that I was very disappointed with the budget that's put before us this year with all the additions and all the enhancements in a time that's really tough on the residents of the city. And many of my colleagues felt that they didn't even want to give that opportunity. So few of them spoke um, pretty eloquently. I know Council Pereira has an opinion as well. And, uh, you know, well, it, it failed, and I would imagine that it won't come back now for a while. Council Pereira? Yeah, I, I, um, I, can you hear me better now? Yes, much better. Okay. So I, I've always had an opinion that uh, it, I always refer things to committee. Uh, I always think we should investigate and look at things fully, especially fiduciary matters. With that being said, on this specific topic, uh, I was a little uh, um, uh, upset that we weren't able to have that opportunity to send it to committee, but uh, uh, I would never change someone's health insurance without vetting it out. And, and I, I, I think my vote, my vote reflected that last night. And, and on, on, on regards to the budget, uh, the tax rate is set now. It's set, set over and over again that when we set the budget, we essentially set the tax rate because come G, uh, December when we take the vote, we have to fund the budget that we approved in June. So if taxes are too high, now is the time to call the city council. If you think taxes are too high in the city of New Bedford, now is the time to call the city council and advocate for budget cuts and elimination of uh, excess funds that, that, and, and ask your council, your counselors to do their job. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm going to concur with that and say this budget is it's actually $45 million bigger than last year. Um, there's $3 million in opera funds that are reducing the budget increase, which, you know, the administration is touting at $42 million. But, I mean, that's, that's astronomical in one year. And, you know, at first I was like, okay, we were told that it's health care costs. We were told it's, you know, additional assessments for net school spending. Uh, you know, I know we have an issue related to the uh, trash contract that's coming due the end of this month, et cetera. But then when you dive into the budget and you start to look, you know, there's people enhancements, which means adds to staff. There's all these other enhancements that are being recommended in the budget. And from my perspective, this should be a level-funded budget, level-funded. Shouldn't, there shouldn't be any increases at this point. Um, people are hurting. And you have to remember, Tim, that last year when the council set the tax rate, we set it at 175, at the max. So we've got nowhere to go. Um, this year, you know, we, we have no relief for the residential property owners. And you can be sure we're not going to relieve the business owners this year either. So it, it's going to be ugly. So as Councilor Ferreira said, this is the time to make the cuts that reduce the budget, that will reduce the amount that the tax bill is going to go up in December. Well, I, I do want to ask a follow-up question to that. Before I do, though, just, just to have the all the information, it was a 9-2 to two vote on the 32B vote. Who are the two councilors that, that voted for it? Um, myself and Council Lima. Um, I was surprised that Council Markey voted uh, to take no further action because he had stood and said, you know, I'd like to send it to committee. I'd like to discuss it. There was no second from the floor, and I certainly can't second that from the chair, to send it to committee. That would have been the vote, um, you know, the vote that took precedent to take a vote to send it to committee. But um, that's the way that it went down. Council Lima had spoke as Council Markey did, and I echoed Council Maki's words saying, you know, let's send it, let's talk about it, 
you know, as I said to you a couple minutes ago, we would have to have an unbelievable, uh, you know, presentation to make me make a decision that I was going to take money out of city employees' pockets. Now, and, and a follow-up to the to the point about wanting the budget to be level-funded. So the argument that Mayor Mitchell has made is that, you know, costs of everything are going up. But are you hearing from these department heads, Council President Morad, what sounds like a $45 million costs are going up? Well, yes and no. I mean, they've got all these estimates as to what electricity, heating oil, and natural gas are going to be. And nobody can, nobody can justify where those numbers are coming from. And then there's all types of increases related to, obviously, the Unit C numbers are in there, and the AFSCME police and fire contracts all settled, all, all affecting the salary lines. But then on top of that, you know, as I said to you, there's adding people. There's, uh, oh, we need to bring this program in. Uh, you know, we, we, we brought this program in last year with the excess funds we had, and we'd like to continue it. Um, or we uh, started this program with opera funds, and now we want to continue the program on the back of the taxpayers. All those things are enhancements to the budget. So, so Councillor Pereira, do you feel that there was, a, you know, almost like a Trojan horse of some of these things being brought in that, that couldn't be funded in the future? Well, uh, when I uh, so when I joined the council last year uh, in January after I was sworn in, you know, through a couple meetings I had with the administration, the 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 line and, and, and across the board with the finance team and department heads was, we're 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 going to be using ARPA funds for one time off, one time off payments. We don't want to create uh, uh, budgetary deficits by having uh, ARPA funds infused in our budget this way or that way, which I agree with. I think that was a responsible way to budget. But now, as, as Council President Morad has stated, it's seeming like we have all these positions that, oh, this was an ARPA-funded position. We want to make that full-time. Or this was an ARPA program. We want to make that continue. And it's like, wait, I thought we were going to be doing one-time infusions. What happened to those one-time infusions? Now, maybe the majority of ARPA funds that, that occurred, but we're even seeing now substantial amount of, of infusions of ARPA funds into programs that department heads want to see continued. And in addition to that, I mean, I have a lot of respect for the, for example, for the police and fire department keeps, but both of them have staff ads. And it's like, you have staff ads, you have all, both of you cannot hire enough people uh, to fund your, to, you know, man your department. And now you're asking me for a staff ad on top of that. This makes no sense. <laughs> Right. Correct. And, and, and so in part of what you were doing last night, last night's meeting involved a lot of transfers to rectify some of these department budgets. And so you're seeing, you know, firsthand exactly what's going on with these budgets and, and what's happening now at the end of a fiscal year as they're asking for money for uh, the beginning of the next fiscal year. What, what were some of the things that went on, Council President Morad, last night? And, and what are these funds all about, these revolving funds? So, so hold on on the revolving funds for a second. But the transfers, you know, this is the problem with the budget. I feel this way every year. I don't know how Council Pereira feels. But what ends up happening is some departments don't spend all the money that was allocated in the previous year's budget. So then the administration, instead of taking that money and putting in the free cash, putting in the stabilization fund, or putting additional funds to the OPEC deficit that we have, no, that's not what we do. We allow departments to to buy things and do things and cover their deficits here, there, and everywhere. And that's, that's not the way budgeting should work. So 
So what you saw last night is a lot of transfers to cover the unit C in the AFSCME contracts. Those I understand. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, transfers because, you know, DPI wants to buy a new piece of equipment or somebody else wants to, you know, run assessors wants to uh, continue to run a program that they bought that they think will be beneficial to the city. To me, that, that's not the way transfers should work. And that's what you saw last night. You saw excess funds moving from one department to another department to cover fiscal year 2023 budget deficits. So, and, and if I might... Yes. Sorry. No, go right ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, the one thing that I like to do, especially come budget time, uh, and, and I, I'm looking to do that this year as well, is departments who are running deficits, major budgetary deficits that needed transfers are going, in my opinion, should be put on the bottom of the list for enhancements. So when they're coming to us this year and they're saying, oh, we want to add this or we want to add that. Wait, you didn't responsibly budget or manage your budget last year. Why am I going to give you a reward by giving you the enhancements? Now, there might be some extraordinary circumstances, which is why I'm glad we have budget hearings where we can ask questions. But uh, bearing any, uh, any uh, extraordinary uh, circumstance, these people should the, these departments should be on the bottom of the list for enhancements, and and that's I just think a smart way uh, of of looking at who should be, especially when we have such large increase in budget year over year, who should be rewarded, uh, quote uh, you know for for lack of better terminology. Yeah. And then, Tim, you asked you asked about the revolving funds, and mm-hmm. uh, Council Pereira, you you certainly can describe them if you want, but there are many of them in the city and. Basically, those are departments that collect money for, for whatever reason, fees, services, um, and then instead of that money going back into the general fund, that money is set aside in what's called a revolving fund that allows the department to pay its expenses. For example, we run a social day program um, in the, out of the Council on Aging where folks with uh, you know dementia or cognitive issues they have an ability to go to the program sponsored by the city. But those, those programs are paid by Medicare or other insurance or by private pay. And that money, instead of coming back into the general fund, is utilized to pay for the staff, the facilities, et cetera, that are needed to run that program. So it, it seems like, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done uh, in deciding how you want to see the budget go forward in, in the next year. And we're coming to the point where it will soon be cut night for that. Do you feel like the council is is getting all the information that it needs? Uh, I'll ask this question to both of you. But is the council getting all the information that it needs to be able to make those decisions when the time comes? Yeah, I, I feel comfortable. Yeah, I feel comfortable uh, uh, with the information I receive, you know, uh, the, the, that's one thing department heads and the administration has always been good about is, is open access, uh, uh, speaking personally, to, to de- with departments. Uh, any questions I ask, even after budget hearings, if there's something I missed, they're very good about getting uh, supple- uh, you know, other additional information to email to me or, or, or call to me. So that is, uh, that is good that I'm able to have uh, uh, good lines of communication with department heads so that I can... Uh, uh, know, know what line items are, know how much this is costing or that is costing, and being able to uh, make uh, educated cuts to the budget. I agree. And, you know, in addition to that, we asked my colleagues and I for a lot of additional information throughout the budget hearings, and that has been provided timely and completely. So to the finance team, they did a great job doing that. We also have been asking for the open vacancy positions as well, 
uh, with detail as to how long they've been vacant, et cetera, and the personnel department has provided that information as well. And there's also some key committee meetings that are coming up this week, one of them being the Ordinance Committee and Council Pereira as the chair of the Ordinance Committee. Can you tell us what uh, what we can expect on that agenda? Sure. So um, coming up, uh, we're going to revisit the uh, dental insurance plan um, that the city would like to offer its employees. Uh, it's been currently gone out. Uh, we, it was tabled previously so that the personnel department can um go out and do some employee surveys to collect some data on what they would like to see a dental insurance plan now this insurance plan uh we have because it's fully funded by the employee zero tax dollars are involved in this it's 100 percent funded by the employee the city council needs to adopt a certain provision of mass general law that allows the city to administer a plan in which no tax dollars go to uh, you would think it's a, it's a no-brainer, but there's a little bit of legwork that needs to get done behind it. Uh, so that's currently on there. And then then this ordinance committee is going to look at um, Councillor Oliver's proposal uh, to investigate uh, uh, and mitigate some of the uh, uh, ATVs by uh, looking at um, gas uh, stations and, and how that uh, um how, how regulating gas stations might be able to help curb this. And, and just looking at uh, some other count, uh, towns and cities' ordinances in regards to ATVs and how we might be able to implement some of those ordinances to help these ATVs and motorcycles from running wild across city streets. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from callers who say, well, that's not really going to do anything, but it, having it on the books certainly won't hurt either, especially it, it may help curb it some, 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 to some degree. And every little bit helps in, in what is basically becoming a war against keeping these things off the streets. Yeah, yeah definitely. Toolbox. Yep, that's right. It, exactly, exactly. And it's one of those things where, where, you know, at least bringing it forward, I don't think anything will get solved in one night, obviously, or overnight, I should say. But... What I do think, you know, it starts a conversation that, that we can investigate and look at ordinances from other municipalities and reach out to those municipalities say, hey, is this working? Is this something the city of New Bedford should look at? And, and let them speak candidly, and, and I'm, I'm glad we're starting that conversation. And uh, Council President Moore, there's also a city property committee meeting and a finance committee meeting where there'll be some important things discussed. Yes, um, city property, we have a lot up on Mount Pleasant Street that the airport has put out an RFP. was in front of us in March, and some of my colleagues asked for additional information, so we'll be hearing that as well. Um, you know, it's a small lot. It's, um, I think the appraisal came in around $85,000, so we'll see how that goes. And then the important things in finance this week, um, we're going to have a presentation from Eric Cohen from the Retirement Board regarding, um, you know, the COLA increases. Several of my colleagues new on the council have not had that presentation before, and I think it will be beneficial. And then we're also going to be looking at the $7.8 million capital plan request this year from the administration for uh, projects across the city, which is an annual process that we go through this time of the year. Well, it sounds like we'll have a lot to discuss next week when you join us with uh, Councillor Gomes. Yep, we should. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you both for uh, for joining us this morning and for sharing information with us. And I hope that you both have a great weekend. Thank you. you Thank well. you, Tim. You Take as well. Good. Take care. Have a good day.
That is New Bedford City Council President Linda Morat and Ward 6 Council Ryan Pereira. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll go into the newsroom with Kate Robinson in the WBSM newsroom. We'll also take more of your phone calls to close out the hour at 508-996-0500. We'll take your app chat messages on the WBSM app. We'll take your open line voicemails on the WBSM app if you want to leave one of those. And uh, there's a lot still that we can discuss. And, of course, coming up at 9, Chris and Marcus will be in, and they will be discussing uh, at length and in depth the Trump indictment because they you've got a politically-minded person in Chris who has seen everything that com- comes down politically, and you've got somebody in Marcus who can talk about it from the legal perspective. They're going to be able to break it down for you better than anybody. So they'll be doing that at 9 a.m. Uh, but right now, we do have to take our next break. We'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. We are going to go into the newsroom now. Kate Robinson has all of your news of the day. And when we come back on the other side, we can react to all of it. Donald Trump is now the first former president in U.S. history to face federal charges. Trump was indicted by a federal grand jury on Thursday over his handling of classified documents. The seven counts against Trump include conspiracy to obstruct and the willful retention of documents. Trump said on his Truth Social platform that he will surrender to authorities on Tuesday. Canadian wildfires are giving New York City the worst urban air quality in the world. The air monitoring website IQ Air had New York at number one worldwide thanks to the thick haze of wildfire smoke that's been blanketing the city. Because of the air pollution, over a million students attending New York public schools will be instructed remotely today. This as video of South African firefighters arriving in Canada is circulating widely online. More than 200 firefighters can be seen in the video singing, clapping, and holding the South African flag. They arrived at an airport in Edmonton, Alberta in good spirits to help fight the raging wildfires. Puerto Rico is breaking a record this week with a heat index of 125 degrees. The U.S. territory broke records Monday and Tuesday with temperatures of 95 degrees. The island has also been experiencing high humidity with the dew point hovering near 80 degrees, pushing the feels-like heat index temperature to about 120. The National Weather Service says extreme heat could continue in the region through Tuesday. Large numbers of workers in the UK are walking in the streets this summer as part of a series of strikes for transportation and health workers, as well as civil servants. Many others are also leaving their desks to march in solidarity. The workers are asking for better pay amid rising inflation and spiraling costs. Two new bills in the U.S. Senate are addressing the rise of artificial intelligence. Rebecca Hughes with more. Democrat Gary Peters introduced a bill Thursday with Republicans Mike Braun and James Lankford that would require federal agencies to tell people when they're using AI to interact with them. A second bill was introduced by Democrats Michael Bennett and Mark Warner along with Republican Todd Young that would establish the Office of Global Competition Analysis which would ensure that the U.S. stays at the forefront of artificial intelligence technology. I'm Rebecca Hughes. 
Two motion hearings are scheduled for today in the murder case of four Idaho college students. The motions are concerning a gag order that prohibits lawyers involved in the case from saying anything publicly about it that's not already on public record. The suspect in the case, Brian Koberger, is accused of brutally murdering the students last fall. U.S. officials are shooting down a report of a Chinese spy base being built in Cuba. A report in the Wall Street Journal claimed this week that Cuba had a, quote, secret agreement for China to establish an electronic eavesdropping facility on the island. A spokesperson for the White House National Security Council says the report is, quote, not accurate. A video is going viral that appears to show a man being attacked by a shark off the coast of Egypt. Mark Mayfield has the story. Egyptian officials say a tiger shark was responsible for the man's death on Thursday near a beach hotel on the Red Sea. News reports say the victim was a 23-year-old Russian man who had been living in Egypt for several months and was swimming at a beach filled with people when the attack happened. The video circulating online appears to show the man being dragged underwater by a shark in front of horrified onlookers. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Denver Nuggets are hoping to extend their lead in the NBA Finals. The Miami Heat will host the Nuggets in Game 4 tonight in South Beach. Denver has a two-games-to-one lead in the series after a 109-94 victory in Game 3. Miami is hoping to tie up the series tonight. In other sports, the Red Sox lost to the Cleveland Guardians Thursday 10-3. Tonight, they're in New York to take on the Yankees. Now for your local forecast from ABC6. We're going to start today off with partly cloudy skies, but those clouds will be increasing throughout the day. Showers will be developing after lunchtime. And don't be surprised if you hear some rumbles of thunder or catch some heavy downpours on your commute home today. So today we're going to reach a high in the upper 60s. Overnight tonight, 48 degrees and four. Tomorrow, warming up upper 60s with some scattered showers in the morning hours. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. Right now it is 59 degrees and cloudy. I'm Kate Robinson for WBSM News. Stay up to date with WBSM, New Bedford's news talk station, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. And call in, text us. Open up app chat on the WBSM app and send us your thoughts, and we'll read them on the air. Now, back to the conversation on WBSM. And in just a moment, we are going to be joined by a guest. But before we do that, I want to let you know that uh, if you are in the market for some insurance, you know, there's a lot of names out there. There's a lot of companies out there. You're not really sure how to navigate yourself through that field. It seems easy, right, to say, well, I'll just go on this website and look up this company. No. You need somebody local that you can work with that will do that with you. You need someone like Paul and Dixon Insurance. Paul and Dixon Insurance is a name that you can trust because insurance is more complicated than you think. It's important to know what you are buying. And Paul and Dixon, they've been doing this for over a century so they know how to do it better than anybody. They have experienced experts who will counsel you on risk assessment. They'll do the shopping for you to make sure that you get the right insurance at the right price. They're really easy to work with, and they work with some of the biggest companies such as Arbella Insurance and many more. Their staff averages over 15 years of experience. They know the South Coast, and they know the over 30 different carriers that they work with. So they know not only what kinds of things you may need for insurance, but they know which companies can provide those things for you at the best possible price. You can visit Paul and Dixon at 388 County Street in New Bedford. You can give them a call at 508-996-8593. 
That's 508-996-8593. But the easiest thing to do is go to pd-ins.com. That's pd-ins.com. And now joining us on the line, we have Ward 5 City Councilor Scott Lima, who wants to uh, share with us some thoughts on what we discussed with Council President Morad and Councilor Pereira. Good morning, Councilor Lima. How are you? Tim, good morning. How are you? Doing all right. So you wanted to uh, you wanted to share some thoughts based on the, the conversation we had. Yeah, yeah. So again, thank you very much for having me on this morning. So this is more around um, language, which, which is important because how things are said, uh, things could be interpreted um, incorrectly. So I was listening, and I think you had asked the question of how the vote went on um, the health care, which is which is um, uh, Mass General Law Chapter 32B, Sections 21, 22, and 23. And the vote um, uh, that was presented last night uh, to take no further action, um, that vote uh, was 9 to 2. So this is what I think I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong. So who voted for 32B? It's kind of how I heard the question. So it sounds like I voted for 32B, but that's categorically incorrect. What I voted against was taking no further action. What I would have preferred to do was take the item to committee, discuss it in committee, refer it out of committee with an unfavorable recommendation, and then vote in front of the full the full city council against adoption of 32B. So I didn't vote for 32B. I voted against taking no further action. And that's not nuanced. What that specifically says is I'd rather discuss it in committee. Mm-hmm. And I spoke publicly. If someone watches the tape, I spoke publicly and said that if you give me the opportunity to vote on this, which I didn't get the opportunity because that's how council goes, my vote would be against adoption of 32B. So that's not nuanced. That is a stark difference um, in how language is used. Now, what that does is is that um, that could change the opinion of people that are listening to the radio. So the people that thought that I was in yeah, that I was going to adopt 32B, let's say if someone in your audience is having breakfast, say, yes, Lima wants to adopt 32B. They now know that I don't want to adopt 32B. They may vote for me or vote against me. And the people that thought that I was against uh, 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 32B, so it, it's, it's not nuanced. Sure. It's, it's very, it's a clear distinction, and it could change the way people um, think. And I, so just bouncing off of that, I noticed um, when we were voting as a city council on the three uh, referenda that were brought before the council about a month or so ago, um, when I was on, I think, with Marcus and Chris, the question was asked a certain way, and I, and I corrected um, one of them, and I said, no, what I'm going to do is vote to sustain the mayor's veto. And I can't remember the context that I think Marcus was using it in. That was kind of nuanced, but if you want to know exactly what someone is doing, I voted to sustain the mayor's veto. That's a little nuanced, but it makes a difference in how someone um, uh, looks at something. Sure. So I and- just wanted to... Go ahead. And I was going to say, and the reason to want to refer to committee is because you can have deeper and more in-depth discussions about it there when making that decision. Exactly. You can have deeper, more uh, in-depth uh, discussions. You have an opportunity to invite um, uh, uh, different folks to come to the meeting and speak. But if you don't allow that to happen and you just take no further action, 
then um, that's something that you can do, but that discussion doesn't happen. Um, I I said last night that I was disappointed that the mayor brought this before the city council because, to be perfectly honest with you, we had a better chance of of an asteroid hitting City Hall last night than 32B being passed. It's just, it's not going to go anywhere. So I don't know why, you know, well, I know why, but I don't think it should have come up. On the same side, I'm not happy with taking no further action. I thought both strategies, um, while while effective, uh, the mayor brought 32B before us, and he's going to speak as he speaks about it, um, disapproving the council. I came uh, the most of the union leadership, and I spoke to them all, Hank Turgeon, Kevin Cormier, uh, Lisa Lemieux. Um, I don't think no further action makes sense either. So I wasn't happy about how any of it went down last night, but it's... Um, that wasn't nuanced, so I just want to clarify how I voted. And that, um, and, and this, and the last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up, is when I just heard Councilor Pereira speak, I heard him um, speak about, you know, budget deficits at the end of the year and how monies can be transferred to fund those deficits. See, in terms of language, I don't see that as a deficit because if you have a million-dollar budget and you spend all of your million-dollar budget and then you come and ask for, let's say, $50,000 worth of computers, that's an enhancement. I don't see that as, as a deficit. You may not, and if you get the money, to me it's like you didn't create a deficit. You asked for an enhancement, and we either um, transfer the money or not. Mm-hmm. So these are all language things, but I don't see how that's a deficit. I see, I see it as, as an enhancement. You're asking for an enhancement. And- um, it only creates a deficit, I think, if, if it's put into your budget, then you don't get the money. But... We don't put it in the budget if we don't transfer it to you. And, and I do want to ask you one question before I let you go. You you had said that you know the way that people hear this and perceive it might affect how they vote for you. So does that mean that you will definitely be running for for councilor at large? Or no, no, and that would see, and that's good because see, you picked up you picked up on that. It 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 doesn't. I'm speaking very quickly. I still haven't made a um, I still haven't made a, a a decision, but I should have said. And it wasn't a slip-up. It wasn't a slip-up just saying that I'm running. What I should have said is is that that could affect how people will vote for anyone uh, based on that language. So a great pickup. I, I thank you for it. I haven't made a, a decision. It's speaking very quickly and trying to get things out. But I, have, I haven't made a decision yet. All right. Fair enough. But well, time, time is running short, so I'll have to make one um, at some point in time. I'll, I'll, last night I said on the city council floor, when I was arguing 32B, I said, and then you can hear all this on tape, that I'm not running for city for Ward 5, but I said if I were to run for at-large, if I were to win, if I were to lose. So you could also see that on tape uh, last night. All right. Well, thank you, sir, and uh, thank you for giving us some insight, and uh, you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. All right. Uh, we, okay. That is Ward 5 Councilor Scott Lima. And, uh, and of course, he's right. You know, language does matter in these things. So I'm glad we could be able to, to share his perspective on that. I'm going to squeeze in a quick call here because somebody's been on hold. And uh, I do have to take another break. But, caller, you are next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. Gilly Saffield. Hey, Gilly. What's on your mind? Um, I was at the meeting last night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of things happened there. But my main concern was after uh, that vote went down with the unions and everything. Everybody started clapping. Okay? Now, you know I got it, by Linda Moore. Yeah, is, is this going to is this gonna turn into how you're upset with Linda Moore because no, she wouldn't no, let you clap? No, 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 no. What happened last night, 
after that, everybody started clapping. Linda did say there's no clapping in the chambers while there was a debate. There was a debate going on. Okay. After the vote was taken, she took a recess so people can clap. I just wish that I get the same privileges when I want to clap for one of my city councilors. That's why I call her a tyrant. She's letting well, people get away with things. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, I'm she, sure I'm sure she's listening. So we'll see if she gives you a, a if she takes a recess for you next time. Well, the only thing I want to say what uh, Scott just said. I mean, you should have seen because I look at the people. They were so upset of, of for him because Ryan Pereira went over to Ian Ebru, started calling Scott, Scott names because he changed his vote. You know what I mean? It's a it's a madhouse there. But the bottom line is. Do whatever she wants. That's all. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the call. And uh, we do have to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Um. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, it is time to announce our final winner of the tickets to go see Willie Nelson's Outlaw Music Festival happening September 16th at Xfinity Center in Mansfield. And again, thanks to Live Nation for all of these tickets we were able to give away. But the final pair go to John Rigo. John, you are the winner. You can expect an email from Casey. She will send an email to you shortly that will have uh, all the information that you need to fill out. When you send that back to her, she will be able to send you those tickets virtually. You'll get the digital ticket that you can keep in your Live Nation account on your phone so that when you go to the show, that's all you have to show. And again, as I've said before, I love this option because not only does it make it easier, you don't have to come to the station to pick anything up, but it also makes it easier on the day of the show you don't have to remember to bring tickets with you because we've all been there where we've gotten the car, started heading to the show and said, oh, oh, the tickets are still on the counter. So you don't have to worry about that. They'll be right in your phone. If you missed out on a chance to win, don't worry. They still have tickets available at LiveNation.com. But that also means that you're still eligible to win tickets when we give away Ed Sheeran tickets next week. So uh, you'll be able to next week or the week after. I got to look at the concert calendar still. But you'll be able to win those tickets uh, and enter to win. That's what's so great about this summer. We've got so many tickets to different shows to give away. Some with me, most with me, some with Barry. Sometimes when I know that the, the person we have tickets to is a perfect fit for Barry and the music that he likes to play on his program, I say to Barry, these, these ones we're going to have you give away, and he's more than happy to do it because he loves giving away tickets to people too. So we'll have more of those for you throughout the course of the summer. That's going to do it for me for today. I am out of time. Uh, not sure if I'll be popping in for a spooky South Coast. I was supposed to have a paranormal event uh, tomorrow night, but that got canceled. So we may have a spooky tomorrow night. If not, well, then I will talk with you again on Monday. We'll have a lot that we can discuss, of course. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.